0: Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you made it in through ice and snow and whatever else is going on out there. Um, we do something traditionally here every January. We call it Back to Basics, and the idea is in four weeks, um, we're going to cover the basics of Science of Mind. So it's kind of like a mini foundations class in four weeks. Uh, if you care to follow along in the Science of Mind textbook by Ernest Holmes, uh, it's the first four chapters, and so that's uh, that's how we lay it out. I'm going to do something maybe slightly different this year. Um, The first Sunday, we're supposed to talk about God and normally I'll launch right into Ernest Holmes idea of what God represents this year I want to do something slightly different because I think we have some unlearning to do Maybe before we even have some learning and uh, and I will start our unlearning with a joke Which I think will actually illustrate the problem So the children were lined up at the cafeteria of a Catholic elementary school for lunch At the head of the table was a large pile of apples. And none was standing by the apple tray telling the kids, now there's only enough just for you each to take one, and God is watching. So moving further along the lunch line, at the other end of the table was a huge pile of chocolate cookies, plenty for everyone. One child whispered to another, take all you want. I heard from a good authority that God's watching the apples today. (laughs) And although, uh, you know, that's kind of a a sweet childhood joke, I would tell you that such jokes are born from our ideas of what God is like. And so for most of us, perhaps raised in a a different kind of faith tradition than in the science of mind, isn't it true that God was kind of portrayed as a that kind of father figure in the sky that was kind of looking down and monitoring behaviors and uh, kind of maybe blessing you or not so much, depending on what you were doing. Um, that God a little bit that, I don't know, like the the nanny cam God, right? <laughs> you know, even, even when no one's at home, you're still being observed a little bit. And I would also say that God that uh, that meets out some punishments too, right? If, uh, if you haven't been good, you can expect, uh, perhaps bad things to come to you. Or, or, uh, if you don't follow the, uh, associated rules and of course what, you know, what what are those rules was never entirely clear. I mean, we had the Ten Commandments, good. I'm, you know, that's help. Um, but the idea of uh, being good or bad, and then even that idea ultimately of some eternal punishment or reward as well. So, so the overall flavor that many of us got was the idea, well, God created everything and and rested on that seventh day. And then what? Just kind of stepped back from that universal creation, maybe kind of folded the arms and it's like, hmm, let's just see how they're behaving. Well, I think we need to throw that out because this is not going to fit in with the idea of God in terms of science of mind. For one thing, it's not a guy in the sky. I mean, oh my gosh, half of the population is really poorly served <laughs> by the idea of God being male for one thing. Now, there are a few indigenous uh, uh, religions where, where God is portrayed as female, but in Western culture, that whole idea of uh, of the parental father figure really not all that useful. And then the whole idea of reward and punishment, we just simply do not believe in that. So let me start talking about what we do believe in then. First of all, we believe in the three omnis. And so we do believe that God is omnipresent, present everywhere. We believe that God is omniscient or all wise. And and that maybe does have a bit of the flavor of the nanny cam. And we'll talk about that in a minute. What does it mean that God is all wise? You know, checking in on everything or what exactly? Uh, but finally, God is omnipotent, all powerful that God created and continues to create the ongoing nature of the universe itself and in, in all of its wonder and glory. But let's start with this omnipresent thing. And I want to talk again, maybe a little bit of undoing what we already believe, because I think we are really earth human person centric. I mean, I, Uh, I don't know how this has happened, but somehow I think that we believe that the universe revolves around us personally. And uh, I want to start off by by dispelling that idea. And and Marcy, would you help me for a minute? So what I have done is, I would like to even just portray what the solar system looks like. So because I'm the senior minister, I get to be the sun, of course. And uh, Marcy, because of course she's a good friend, gets to be the earth. And of course, it's good that it's Mother Earth and Father Son, I don't know. We can use metaphors if you want. Um, But I need someone, Annette, would you be willing? Well, first of all, does everyone know what the furthest planet in the solar system is? See, it used to be Pluto. They downgraded Pluto. They took away all its benefits, its 401k. It's like a planetoid now. No, it's Neptune. Uh, Annette, would you be willing to be Neptune? So, so this is what in science terms is called an astronomical unit. The distance between the Earth and the sun is one astronomical unit. And if we wanted to portray Neptune at the furthest reach, uh, Annette, just head out that way. And hopefully I've measured this about right. It should end up right about where the bookstore is. We might be a little short. <laughs> how are we doing? Are you going to make it to the bookstore all right I, I did. I measured it about right all right, and along the way, of course we 'd have uh, what if this is the Earth uh, going further out we 'd have mars we 'd have the asteroid belt uh, um, um, uh, about three quarters of the way out there would would be uh, jupiter and and so on but This is just our solar system, right? And I suppose it's easy for us to get the idea that we're the center of things in our own solar system, but how many solar systems do you think there are? You can't even count them. And where's the closest next one? Guess how much toilet paper we would need just to get to the next sun? Well, I started at Costco yesterday. And so I got this much, but you know what? I sat down with my calculator, and and I have bad news. We would have to spend over $2,000 at Costco on toilet paper to give us enough to represent 152 miles of toilet paper would be necessary in astronomical units to portray the distance just to the next closest by sun. I would also like to point out that our sun isn't in the middle of our own galaxy. It's kind of, you know, sprawled out on one of the spiral arms. In the state of Oregon, we'd think of it kind of as maybe Prineville or, or <laughs> sisters, Right? Not centrally low. you know, we're not like the Portland of Oregon. We're more like the, the Sisters or the Bend of Oregon. Just kind of hanging out there a little bit in the middle of nowhere. The nearest galaxy, we would have to have 286,000 miles of toilet paper to represent the next galaxy beyond that. I mean, the numbers are so big. The universe is so big, and, and of course, when you get out towards the, uh, the idea of galaxies, uh, we can't count them, we don't know how far they are. We, we can only measure the ones that are visible to us, and, and of course, light can only go so fast to get to us. There's still being galaxies formed uh, in, in the hub of things going on. The reason I say all this is, when we think of ourselves as being the center of the universe, we're just wrong. When we think even of humanity as God's main concern, we're just wrong. The, the greatest uh, estimates, and this is just from visible suns, visible suns that we can record like with the Hubble telescope and other astronomic means today. Scientists are predicting that there are at least 500 habitable planets that can be observed through a telescope now. It used to be thinking that an Earth-like planet would be very rare. And the, the more that we're starting to really be able to investigate with spectrometers and other tools, we're discovering, oh no, planets in the so-called uh, Goldilocks zone, you know, not too hot, not too cold, just right. Uh, that really most stars, most stars will have a planet or two in the Goldilocks zone. So if we want to think of God as being uh, kind of in charge, it's not just of the earth. It's not just of humanity. There are planets out there with other creatures on it that are part of God's majesty just as we are, undergoing their own uh, wonderful ways of living, undergoing their own uh, triumphs and <laughs> tragedies. And what we say in the science of mind is that all of that is God. So when we say every person, every place, and, and every idea, which we often do on Sunday, that God is over all of that, we tend to think, oh, he just means like maybe Portland <laughs> or, or maybe the earth, but, but not so much. I'm talking about God has the purview and the creative power of all of the universe and, and, and again, you know, we're only just beginning to catalog the different dimensions that exist and things like that. There could be parallel dimensions and pocket universes. I mean, anyone who enjoys Stephen, uh, Stephen Hawking can get an idea of truly how big this whole shebang is, right? Created at the Big Bang, uh, where God set it all in motion. That is the nature of God. And as big of it is, it also includes the the little stuff like you and me, like, uh, like microbes. God is that as well. All right. Now on to the idea of omniscience, all wise. So if God is all of that, then it also represents the sum total wisdom that ever was, because uh, our thoughts as humans, and, and horses' thoughts as horses, and cats' thoughts as cats, all of those are part of God's thoughts. So the perfect way for a cat to catch a mouse is within the wisdom of God. The, the, the end to all war or slavery is within the mind of God. Anything that ever has been figured out or ever will be figured out within that mind and that consciousness of God, all wise. And then finally, all-powerful, that Big Bang, I mean, gosh, is there anything more powerful than that force, that Big Bang that created the universe? And God is still continuing to create it. In the galactic center, um, uh, new galaxies are still being formed even today. The creative process moves on, again, orchestrated as part of the thing itself, as God. The reason I think that this is so fundamental in a science of my community, having this different picture of God is threefold. First of all, I think that we tend to divine ourselves in terms of what we think is true for the creative power of the universe. And and whether, uh, which came first, whether we started defining God as ourselves or whether we started defining ourselves in terms of God, I'm not sure which, but I will tell you that if we have this big picture of God, this capable picture of God, then when we start defining ourselves, we can have some nice things going on. First of all, God is not judging us. There is no separation, no force separate from the universe looking down and saying, well, this is going well and that's not going so well, right? The only judgment that occurs, guess who's doing it, right? It's, it's the, the sentient beings that are doing all the judging. God simply gives us free will to explore our universe as, as much or as little of it as we want to take on. So there is no uh, golden book that says what's right and what's wrong. No, no set of stone temp, uh, uh, templates that that is what we should be or do or or whatever it is. Certainly, uh, people uh, have come up with some guidelines. There's nothing wrong with the, like the Ten Commandments. I think that's a pretty good thing to to follow, but not ordained or set up by some divine power. Uh, No, not at all. We have free will. The other thing that I would like to point out about God that helps us is if God isn't judging us, then perhaps we can go a little easier on other people, right? If God isn't saying thou shall and thou shalt not, then Should I be doing that or should I let other people have their own opinions, have their own ways of life? Now, in society, of course, we may have to do some things to preserve the peace. We can't have free will if that includes uh, killing one another and things like that. I mean, the the freedoms exists, but in society, we may choose to put some limits on the freedom to help us get along better. We may decide that driving on the right-hand side of the road is a good thing, especially on a day like today, because kind of frightening of course we're just choosing what side of the road to drive on so so some of those human-based laws and ideas are a good thing glad to follow them i'm glad we get along better through that but not god-ordained and not for us perhaps to punish each other over choices not not some kind of laws but choices and, and opinions The other thing that I think is important about this idea of God in the science of mind ways is you notice I didn't say anything about predestination or right in the in the same way that god isn't judging us god also doesn't have a plan for us there is no golden book that says larry was destined to be a preacher or something like that Uh, you know we get to discover our own path in life some of us are uh are going to do one thing with it others of us are going to do another thing with it it is truly our free will so when we think somehow that I just need to listen better and God will tell me what I should do, well, that's an interesting theory. And if we listen well enough, I would say our higher wisdom self, our intuition, and you can think of that as divine guidance. I don't have a problem with that at all, right? Because our consciousness is part of God's consciousness. Our wisdom is plugged into that divine wisdom. So I don't see anything wrong with saying you're getting divine guidance, but it doesn't mean that God has a plan for you and you should figure out what it is and and move forth. Truly, free will is here. Be what you wish. Become what you wish. Do what you wish. That's the nature of the science of mind, God, that we believe in here. Follow the rules. Don't get me wrong. It's a good thing that we all follow the rules. But the rules were created by humans. Last but not least, what I want to talk about in terms of God being a little different in the science of mind is most of us seem to have an investment, I think, in the idea that we personally are separate from god that maybe maybe the universe is part of god but somehow that must not include me right somehow the power and the glory the love the light the joy and the peace that is so promised in all the all the scriptures and good books you know i it probably works for other people but that's not my experience of life we're back to free will again i'm afraid we can choose to have our lives be miserable. And I don't mean consciously. I don't think there's anyone that wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to have just a corker of a shitty day today. I'm going to make it as bad as I can. Maybe I'll have a flat tire first off and a little snow. <laughs> Ooh, by noontime, I'll be miserable. I mean, I don't believe that anyone, that anyone does that. But what I do believe is people can get into habitual thought processes around. I'm just not good enough. I don't deserve very much. I'm, I'm thinking that my life just is somehow destined for, uh, for despair or trouble. You know, I'll, I'll find yet another person to, to hook up to that's miserable and, and isn't any good. Or I'll, I'll find yet another dismal job where they'll treat me poorly. And, and when we begin having those thoughts, when those become a, a pattern in our life, the universe responds to that. And so, indeed, it looks like I have been singled out for, for trouble. Everyone else gets to be part of God. And oh, I should get my, if only I played the violin, this would be the time, right? I can be that victim. But the trouble is, who's singling me out for that? It isn't God. It's me. I'm singling myself out for that. So I think by setting ourselves free of these, especially the, the father figure in the sky sitting on the cloud idea of God, I think that gives me some freedom really for my own destiny. Now, you may say, I kind of liked the comforting idea that there was maybe a, a benevolent figure uh, out there looking out for me, hoping to guide me, and, and I don't necessarily want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I think we can still have a personal relationship to our idea of God. I think we still can get love and comfort from sensing that connection to more of the universe than just me, right? Because I think all of our consciousnesses are connected. And in fact, a, a, a few uh, months ago, we even did some uh, some energy experiments right here in the sanctuary that kind of proved that connection between us. So I believe that there is more than just me, and that there are connections more than just me. And I can get love from that. I can get warmth from that. I can get help and understanding from that. I don't want to throw out that particular baby. I, I, I want to have that same love and feeling of connection to my higher power. Absolutely. It is there in that sense to nurture me and to help me move forward in what I want. But it's not judging me. It's not controlling me. And it isn't some disembodied force that exists somewhere else. See, that's the other problem I have. If I think that God is a disembodied kind of force for good, then What's there to say there isn't a disembodied force for what? Yeah, the devil, right? See, I just don't believe in that. I think there is only one force in this universe. I choose to call it God but I don't think it works like there's a force of good and a force of evil. I think the evil is simply something that we have made up through our own judgments. Well, this didn't work out so well, right? This little war we had, we called it World War II, and it didn't actually give the planet much hope. It was kind of a bad thing, so therefore we will say that the people in charge of World War II were evil. But do you see, in God's perspective... Just bad choices. Humans made bad, extraordinarily bad choices. So I have some homework for you today. Your homework is and you might think of it either either as journaling, or if you have a good friend, someone that you could uh, do this homework with, uh, but you can do it just through journaling first of all, what is your idea of God? So I think it would be useful as we start a new year, as we begin some new spiritual studies, to write down what is our idea of God. And then once you've got that written down, or maybe you've discussed it with a friend or a partner, then I would ask you, is it big enough, wise enough, and powerful enough to help you accomplish the things you desire? Because if you are playing God small, if you're thinking that God can't really help you because God isn't powerful enough, God isn't present enough, uh, God isn't interested in enough, whatever, whatever the isn't enough of God, if we don't have that picture big enough, Prayer isn't going to really have much of an effect, is it? You're going to feel like it, you're back to that nanny cam God where you have to get the prayer just right and mail it off somewhere. And I, and I hope he's listening because he, be, he might be busy with those people in Alpha Centauri and that, that piece of toilet paper that just goes on and on. I mean, he has to be out there too, right? See, when we have those, those ideas of God, it's just not as powerful. So homework, what is your idea of God? And is that idea of God powerful enough, wise enough, useful enough to bring about the life that you desire? That's your homework for this week. I'm going to close with a, a quote from the Science of Mind textbook. This is how the section on the thing itself, how it ends. Briefly, let us recapitulate there is that within every individual which partakes of the nature of the universal wholeness. It is, insofar as it operates, God. There is that within us which partakes of the nature of the divine being. And since it partakes of the nature of the divine being, we too are part of the divine. It reacts to us according to our beliefs in it, and it is an immutable law subject to the use of of the least among us. The mind which we discover within us is the mind that governs everything. This, this is the thing itself and we should recognize it in its simplicity. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life and one goodness, one creative force that set everything in motion. This is that thing that I call God, the thing itself. And what I know about God, it represents all, all that can be seen, all that can be heard, and those things beyond our five senses, those galaxies that have not been even created yet or that are far distant from us. God is all that, and even on the the minuscule side, God is the the atoms in my uh, right toenail. Uh, God is everywhere present. The macro, the micro, everything in between is God. What I know about this is that it means me, that I am also part of God, that my thoughts are part of God's thoughts. My my actions are doing the work of God in the world. And whether they are things that humans would normally call good or bad, nonetheless, they are part of God's activities and as it is true for me i know it is true for each person in this room each person here is an individualized form of the thing itself that each person here has their consciousness as part of god's consciousness each person here has their body as part of the body of god itself it's simply the way it works and as we upscale our idea of God, as each one of us makes a commitment to viewing God as more capable, more powerful, more able, more joyous, more wise, as each one of us does a, a better job of making God bigger, so our lives become bigger. Our capabilities are expanded. Our, our limits to love are raised. Our, our ability to experience joy and peace Are made more easily. And I am simply grateful for this. I'm grateful to be here in the power and the presence of God each Sunday. Grateful for each one of us in our own way to be representing that higher power. And so through the grace of God and through my own gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for braving the elements. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.